Please remain standing for uh, the reading of God's Word. And this morning our text is found in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This is what God says. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. May the Lord add His blessing to this reading of His Word. You may be seated. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? And didn't it feel good to know that you did belong? I grew up in a foreign country, in Ecuador, in South America. My parents were missionaries. When I came to the United States for college, I didn't feel like I belonged here. My wife, uh, Susan, used to get upset with me because I would talk about you Americans as though I wasn't uh, one myself. I wanted to go back to Ecuador where I belonged. Five years later, I had the opportunity of going back to Ecuador with my wife to teach in an international school. Now I was in a real dilemma. I didn't feel like I belonged in the United States, but now I realized I didn't really belong in Ecuador either. As a child and a teenager, I felt uh, very accepted in Ecuador, but now as an adult married to an American wife, I was made to feel just like any other gringo who didn't belong there. For the first time in my life, the phrase, go home Yankee, was directed at me. I was even spit on. That was a very unhappy year for me. I wanted to belong somewhere. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? And didn't it feel good to know that you did belong? On the other hand, sometimes we do belong and we simply fail to value what a great blessing that is. This is what happened to Philip Nolan. Philip Nolan was not a real man. He was a character in a short story written around 1860 entitled 
the man without a country. Philip Nolan was the man without a country. As a young lieutenant in the Army of the United States, he got involved along with Aaron Burr in a treasonous plot against his country. He was arrested and tried. At the close of his trial, he was asked whether he would like to say anything to show his loyalty to his country. And he responded bitterly, Damn the United States. I hope that I might never hear of her again. The penalty that the court imposed on him was to grant him his wish. He was sent to sea to live on naval ships for the rest of his life. And the captains of these ships were given these instructions. Under no circumstances is he ever to hear of his country or see any information regarding it. And you will especially caution all the officers under your command to take care that in the various indulgences which may be granted, this rule in which his punishment is involved shall never be broken. It is the intention of the government that he shall never again see or hear of the country which he has disowned. Philip Nolan lived under this sentence for 50 years, and he came to deeply regret those words that had cut him off forever from the country where he belonged. And when he died, they found a note in his Bible at the text that says, and this comes from Hebrews chapter 11, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. The note said, Bury me in the sea. It has been my home and I love it. But will not someone set up a stone for my memory at Fort Adams or at New Orleans, that my disgrace may not be more than I ought to bear? Say on it, in memory of Philip Nolan, lieutenant in the Army of the United States. He loved his country as no other man has loved her, but no man ever deserved less at her hands. Philip Nolan, the man without a country, had a country to which he belonged. But he didn't value what a great blessing that was until it was too late. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? And didn't it feel good to know that you did belong? The good news that we hear from God's Word this morning is that we do belong. We who have believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as our Savior from sin, belong to the family of God. Let me say that again. 
We who have believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and our Savior from sin belong to the family of God. The good news begins with God sending His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to redeem us from under the law, that is, from under the demand of the law for perfection. All of us have sinned, says Scripture, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we are slaves to sin until, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. Through the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ and His all-sufficient sacrifice for our sin, we have been bought back from our slavery to sin. By virtue of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, we now belong to God. We are no longer slaves to sin. That is good news indeed, isn't it? We have been bought back. But, the good news doesn't stop there. It goes further. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because Mike, just last week, preached on the redeeming work of Jesus Christ from the book of Ruth. But I want to give you just one more illustration of what it means for us to be redeemed. On the 31st of May of this year, the President of the United States exchanged five high-ranking Taliban members who were prisoners at Guantanamo, Cuba, for one U.S. soldier, Sergeant Bo Bergdahl. To use biblical terminology, the President of the United States redeemed Sergeant Bo Bergdahl. Some people believe that the president shouldn't have done that. That the price was too high. Exchange five high-ranking Taliban members for one sergeant and apparently a deserter at that. Exchange Five high-ranking Taliban members for one low-ranking U.S. soldier who had deserted to the enemy? Well, I'm not going to engage in that debate. I just want to call to your attention what God has done by redeeming us. God has exchanged His only begotten Son for us who the Scripture says were the enemies of God. Who can deny that the price was too high? Like Sergeant Bergdahl, we don't deserve that. 
But the good news is that at great cost to himself, God has redeemed us so that we no longer are slaves to sin. We belong to God. But that's not the end of the good news. Because it's not simply that we have been redeemed from being slaves to sin so that we might be slaves to God. Although that would be much better. Certainly God would be a better master than sin. But the good news gets even better. And this is a very important point for us to understand and to take to heart. Because there are many redeemed Christians that are still living and trying to work out their salvation with a limited understanding of who they are in Jesus Christ. Very often, we think of God just as our Lord and Master. And we serve Him that way, full of fear that we might displease Him, feeling like we have to earn His favor, full of guilt at the many times that we fail Him. We serve our Lord and Master, out of a slavish sense of duty, not out of hearts full of joy. John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist Church, was a man who earnestly practiced his Christianity. He, along with People like George Whitfield and his brother Charles were members of what they called the Holiness Club. These uh, were people who developed methods of holiness. This is where the name for the Methodist Church comes. It's from pursuing the methods of holiness. And these men devoted themselves to prayer and to fasting, to studying the Word of God, to good works, to, to anything that would be considered holy. And yet, for John, there was still something missing. And it was only later in his life that he would come to understand what he had missed. And he says in one place that for years he had known what it was to serve God as his Lord and Master. But it was only when he understood that God was his daddy, that God was his father, that he came to have real peace with God and to enter in to the full joy of his salvation. You see, this is where the good news gets even better. 
because we're told that Jesus was sent into the world to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus didn't just come to redeem us so that we would belong to God as our master. He came to redeem us so that we would receive the adoption as sons. So that we would become members of the family of God. What kind of love is this? We go from being the enemies of God to being redeemed by God to being adopted into His very family. Let me go back to my previous illustration. We don't know what motivated the president to redeem Bo Bergdahl. But I don't believe it was love. And you'll notice that the president did not pay any personal price to redeem Bo Bergdahl. And I certainly don't believe that he entertained any thoughts about adopting Bo Bergdahl into his family. But the Bible tells us that it was the love of God for sinners that motivated every bit of His saving work for us. For God so loved the world. And I think we need to quit focusing so much on our own work, on our own performance, and to think instead of that great love that God has for us. Adoption is a very special expression of that love. You know, it's one thing to love our natural children. After all, they start off as babies. And they're so lovable. They're so cute. I mean, how can you not love little Rex Powers? Or Alia Lance? Or even our most recent one, whom I haven't seen, but even from here I can tell he's lovable. He's cute. How can we not love these precious little babies? And of course, we're very idealistic about our own children, aren't we? We know our kids are going to be perfect in every way. They will never disobey us. They will never disappoint us. They will never cause us any heartache. They will always succeed at everything they try to do. That's what we think until we know better. And then when reality sets in, we finally realize that these kids came with absolutely no kind of a return policy. <laughs> and that's what makes the love of adoptive parents so special. Especially adoptive parents who adopt their children later on in life. Because by that time, it's become pretty obvious 
who this child is and what they are like, what their behavioral problems are, what issues they're dealing with, what special needs they might have, what it's going to cost us physically, emotionally, and financially to take these kids into our family. These kids are not always lovable and cute. That's a, that's a very special kind of love, and this is the kind of love that God has for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. In other words, God knew full well before the foundation of the world that He was going to choose us, not only to be redeemed, but He was going to adopt us into His very family, knowing how often we would disappoint Him, how often we would be disobedient, rebellious, ungrateful, the works. But in love, He predestined us to adoption anyway. And in case we might doubt that, in case we might think these are just words, it also goes on to tell us in Galatians chapter 6 that because you are sons, because you are children of God, because you belong to the family of God, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Based on our behavior, which of us would ever dare to say, I am a child of God. I belong to the family of God. It is only by the Spirit of God that we ourselves are assured of that. That the doubts that we have are removed and that we can confess that great truth. That we belong to the family of God. There's a country western song that talks about a father's love. And it says... It's a love without end. Amen. And the Holy Spirit does not let us forget that. The climax of the good news that we hear from God's Word this morning is therefore you are no longer a slave. We don't serve God slavishly out of a sense of mere duty. We serve God because we are His children and we joyfully desire to please Him. We are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then we are an heir through God. 
In other words, in a world in which we all know we're not going to take anything with us, we as Christians do have an inheritance. We have something to look forward to in heaven. Our full salvation. The resurrection of our bodies. No more sin. Full glorification. We shall become as the Son of God Himself is. And this all comes about not because of anything that we have done, but our text says through God. Because of what He has done. Martin Luther, who uh, many of you know, struggled with trying to serve God slavishly to earn His favor and failed miserably comments in this way on this text. He says, There is no work or merit that bringeth us the inheritance, but our adoption only. And so in obtaining the inheritance, we are a mere patient and not an agent. Simply adoption is that which maketh us an heir. So we obtain eternal gifts, namely the forgiveness of sins, righteousness, the glory of the resurrection, and everlasting life, not as agents, but as patients. That is, not by doing, but by receiving. Nothing here cometh, be, nothing here cometh between, but faith alone apprehendeth the promise offered. King Louis IX of France was a rare exception to the rule. He was a very godly man. And King Louis valued being a member of the family of God above all else. And he says this in one place, I think more of the place where I was baptized than of the place where I was crowned. For the dignity of a child of God, which was conferred on me at baptism, is greater by far than that of a ruler of the realm. The latter I shall lose at death. The other will be my passport to everlasting glory. Now we might quibble with Louis IX's theology. But he is absolutely right in valuing his membership in the family of God above all things. To belong to the family of God is to belong to the ultimate forever family. I mentioned at the beginning that I grew up in Ecuador, the child of missionaries. I didn't come back to the United States until I was 18 years old. And I've told you how I struggled with a sense of belonging. And interestingly enough, that wasn't a passing thing. It's something that I still deal with. 
today. I don't feel like I belong in the United States, and I know I don't belong in Ecuador. Where do I belong? A few years ago, somebody pointed out to me that there's a whole body of research now that has been done on uh, children like myself who grow up with parents from one culture but in a country that has another culture. And that this is very typical of these kids, that they don't feel like they belong in either culture and hence they are called third culture. A friend of mine who I grew up with in Ecuador put it very well one time when he said, the only time I feel at home is when I'm on an airplane. In other words, he didn't belong where he took off from. He didn't feel like he belonged where he landed. In some ways, I can identify with that, but there is one place where I've always known that I belong. It may be the reason that I went into the ministry. Because the one place I know I belong is with the family of God. Is with the church. When I am with you here in the United States, I don't feel like I belong here because I'm an American. I feel like I belong here because I'm a member of the family of God. When I worship in Latin American churches, I don't feel I belong there because I identify with their culture. I feel like I belong there because I'm a member of the family of God. I don't know what uh, Soon Hak and Sung Hwa and Chansik's experience has been here in the United States. And by the way, Chansik will be a third culture kid, so you need to read something about that so you can anticipate some of the problems uh, he may have in the future. But I'm sure, being Koreans, there are times when you have not felt like you belonged here in the United States. But Soon Hak and Sung Hwa and Chansik have believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as their Savior from sin. They belong here. They belong here as much as I do. They belong here as much as you do. And I hope you value that membership in the family of God. I hope you feel that sense of belonging, regardless how you may feel in other areas of your life. You belong here. Don't be like Philip Nolan and not realize what a blessing it is to belong. Instead, be like Louis IX, who valued his membership in the family of God above all else. Because belonging to the family of God is to belong to the ultimate forever family. Is that good news or what? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we use that word very often just 
out of habit without really thinking through the implications of what that means. Lord, thank You for Your Spirit. Which of us would dare to claim to be a child of Yours unless You Yourself assured us that this was so? Lord God, teach us to value that which has been bought at such a high price. And Father, not only does being a member of the family of God mean that we have a father, it also means we have brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray that we would learn to love just as you and Jesus have loved us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.